Have Yahweh. Again, you bring me into your time to share your truth, your knowledge, wisdom, to be in your word, to any that would hear the words, but listen to the message and go to your truth, knowledge, and wisdom in the word and seek your face, Father God. And we know that there will be those that will be offended. That's because they're searching for something to be offended by, something to be offended at. But Father God, it is your truth and only your truth that I share. I am about your business, Father. It is your purpose and your will. Abba Yahweh Amma, Yeshua Amman, Paraklitos Amman. Okay, so going through material and studying and getting things together before I take you off on this what ride. And, and let me advise this. Um, some things that I'm going to share, I'm pretty well certain are going to rile some folks possibly, but I know that there's going to be those that are going to be agitated and, and, uh, like I say, they're going to be offended. Guess what? You know what I always say? I don't care. And not to be controversial, not to be uh, confrontational, but I just don't. I really don't because the validation that they try to impose on other people is what is going on in this world and what makes this world in such a topsy-turvy plane of existence to travel in. It's because everyone is searching for something to be offended by, something to be offended at. And it seems that the main target or the prime target, let's call it the prime target, is the church, men and women of faith, those that claim to be Christians, those are prime targets. I um, <laughs> I just was reading something. I'm going to share it with you. I don't want to get too distracted on this, but it really annoys me when people take things way out of context and they don't even understand what they're talking about, but yet they're going to take and they're going to try to make a, uh, they're, they're going to attempt to make a uh, scriptural lesson. And I just got done looking at something here. Um <laughs> Has anyone ever heard the phrase or seen the scripture? Uh, Paul actually talks about it. Um, when God winked. Anybody heard that phrase before? God winked. Have any idea what it means? Anyone bother to explain it to you? I mean, correctly explain it to you. Um, and not just kind of pass it over, but actually explained it to you so that you understood. And in case you haven't, I'm about to. But before I go there, I'm going to go here. Um, I just saw something here, and they're talking about... Um, God 
taking advantage of you and, and they're trying to align. And then when I saw who, who wrote this, they're, they're claimed to be a medium. Okay, well, uh, yeah. So here you have a person that claims to be able to divine spirits and is going to tell you about God. Well, we ran into a problem with that. If you remember that Paul ran into that problem when he was on his mission and ran in and the uh, leaders in this, um, just the other day and I forget where it was, but Paul was uh, on his mission trip and when they came into the city, they had a uh, young person who was, uh, I believe it was in the vicinity of, I believe it was in Ephesus, um, and practicing fortune telling and claiming to be a spiritual guidance. And then um, the young woman was following Paul around and Paul actually cast that spirit out of her. Well, the elders, the city elders, and those that were making money off of this so-called prophetess were annoyed and they were going to really do some harm to Paul and his compadres. So this person claims to be a medium and is going to try to explain God winking. What does that mean? Well, the term God winked means that God chose in his infinite wisdom as the sovereign Lord God Almighty that he is to overlook an activity because it was not overtly harmful, but it was due to ignorance. And after that took place, God called them to repent. and called them to repent for what they'd done and become knowledgeable and knowing the word, to become learned and not to be and remain ignorant and foolish. So when God winks, as this medium person tried to portray, I, I want to make sure that I, I'm not going to quote the whole thing, but... Um, it's really pretty something. It's um, and they don't even. It's not even termed properly. What they use it. Uh, <laughs> so, what they try to do is they're likening they're likening the word winked to hoodwinked. Has anyone ever heard the word hoodwinked before? So, if not, I'm going to share that with you. Clarity. I want to make sure that everybody understands. And um... Okay, so if you are hoodwinked, Spelled just like it sounds. H-O-O-D-W-I-N-K-E-D. 
It means that you are have been tricked or deceived. Um, where's a good example? Oh, you have uh, the Ponzi scheme. That guy came and hoodwinked all of his contributors and all those people that bought into what he was saying. That's being hoodwinked, okay? And that's what that means. And you have financial institutions that do that sort of thing on a regular basis. And what they do is they take advantage of gullibility and naivety and that you don't know and understand things. And that's what this bozo is doing. Pardon me, I... I no, I'm not going to apologize for that. That's the way I speak, okay? I'm not one of these great, like I've shared with you before, I don't have this great fanciful degree and my speech might not be as eloquent as somebody else, but I speak truth, okay? So this bozo is trying to say and liken the word winked that God did and that we find in the scripture. They're saying that if hoodwinked means that you've deceived, been deceived, then God winked must mean, because that means that, that when it says God winked, that you are being duped and deceit coming from Almighty God. Well, that's when you, that's when you have individuals that are speaking out of absolute no knowledge, but they're going to start flapping their gums anyway. Not knowing what they're talking about, but they're going to speak out of context and they're going to speak way out of bounds and try to get others to believe what they believe without any true knowledge. This comes into that analogy that I used before. A cheetah is not the same thing as a leopard. Biologically, physiologically, all in appearance, they are different. Their spotting of their coat is different. And if you look at them side by side, you will see that one is built totally differently. The cheetah is built for speed. Strong and speed. The cheetah is very powerful and strong and can carry its prey into a tree to be done. And it does do that. It's a regular practice. And you have people that will declare that they're the same thing simply because they look similar from a distance. But if you come up close to them, you will notice that they are completely different. And not only that, but if you know anything about biology or you've learned anything when you were in high school or grade school, or even if you're going into uh, college courses of biology, you learn about animals, mammalia, that they are a different species of animal. But yet you have people to convince you. Now you have this person who is a self-proclaimed medium and they're declaring that when it says that God winked, that is indicating deceit from God. 
that God is deceiving you from Almighty God. Well, the problem is that, that they are, they're, they're one of those uh, type of individuals that when it's absolutely a blizzard outside, and they're going to claim that the weather person, the meteorologist, has deceived everyone. And they're going to go out in their Bermuda shorts with no kind of protection for warmth. And they're going to go out there and they're going to walk down to the grocery store or whatever, go run errands. But they're going to do it in their shorts and, and flip-flops because the meteorologist doesn't know what they're talking about. And all that white stuff falling from the sky that's freezing over and collecting from the moisture falling from the sky. That's, that's not snow. You've been deceived. I'm going out in it. Okay. So enough of making fun of the knuckleheads. But when the scripture says that God winked, it's not a deception from God. That's called a pass or what uh, in some... areas. It's called a buy. He lets you go by because you are not aware. You haven't been schooled. You haven't been taught. You haven't been shown. So he winks at you and he gives you a buy and lets you get away with that fraction of ignorance. However, that God does call for repentance and he does call that individuals repent from that action. God winked momentarily because of the ignorance. But he does call for repentance. Now, I'm bringing this up because I think of some things that we were, I think that we studying some class and things that I did. I didn't, it wasn't a time to be controversial. And these things that I bring up too are not to be confrontational at any time at all with anyone. And when I'm talking, when I'm speaking to this um, God winking, let's take a look at Acts 30. Um, we're going to go down here. Actually, we're going to backtrack a little bit. And Paul is talking, he's speaking and teaching. And we're going to go back to um, Acts 17. Uh, we're going to start verse 27. That they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. What do I share with you? I share this with you pretty often. Exactly what Paul's talking about. God is with us all the time. You simply have to turn your head and start talking to him. 
And when I share these words with you, don't just hear what the words that I'm speaking. Listen to the message. Go to the word of God and seek after him. Seek his truth. Seek his knowledge and seek his wisdom. He will happily share it with you. All you have to do is ask. You have not because you ask not. You cannot find because you do not seek. So is your claim. But seeking doesn't mean just looking and glancing around. Seeking means that you put a diligent effort into it. If you're looking for something that you treasure, you're going to seek after it. You're not just going to go in and kind of look around. I had an incident some years ago, this uh, coin that my father had given to me, a collector. It was a rare coin. It was a special coin. And I was foolishly playing around and I lost it. I had no idea where it went. I thought it was magic. It disappeared. I was looking down the, the heater vent that in those days it was in the floor. Couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And then it was probably about two weeks later, and I, I was beside myself, and two weeks later, I found it, had rolled to a very small plate that was just big enough for the coin that was between the wall and the carpet, and it was on edge. What was I looking for? And I was just looking. I wasn't seeking it. I didn't really seek. When I started to seek it, I found it. But when I was looking for it, I couldn't find it because I was looking for it to appear like a coin. And it didn't because it was on edge. So it looked completely different than it normally should. When you seek after God and he is invisible because God is spiritually around us. And like Jesus told the woman at the well, that there is soon going to come time, this is before his crucifixion, where you are going to be able to seek God and you are going to speak to God and you are going to be able to worship him without having to go to a special place and worry about what you look like and worry about what you sound like because people are going to see and recognize that you are a Samaritan. And what did Jesus share with her? He shared with her that there is going to be a time when you are going to be able to worship God anywhere because God is spirit. And as long as you come in truth and spirit to God and truth in that worship, God will be with you and you can do it anywhere. So this knucklehead, silly person is going to try to tell you that God winked and so he's deceiving you. It's not what that means. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. That's important in regards to this person now has declared themselves to be a medium. They have declared themselves to be knowledgeable of God. So they're going to try to tell you that God is deceptive. They don't even know what the word wink means. And the times of this ignorance, God winked at. 
but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. God overlooked it. That's what that means. In times of the desert, God winked at. He overlooked it because there was no real knowledge. So he overlooked it, but now he's declaring that you need to be repentant and repent. And that with all the information and everyone out there trying to spread this information and share this word, which is exactly what I'm doing. I am about my father's business. And when it comes time, God's not going to wink at you. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry about that. God's not going to give you a wink when you get up there and he says, well, why didn't you? And you're going to say, well, gee, gosh, colleague, uh, gee, God, I, 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 I didn't know. You're not going to get a buy. God's not going to wink at you. God's just going to look at you and he's going to sadly declare that you have no excuse. Why didn't you look around you? Why didn't you listen and open your spiritual hearing and open your spiritual eyesight? Everything around you, and I've shared this with you, let heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And there's scriptures that talks about when you look around and you pay attention that God's majesty is declared in everything around us. Everything around us. There is no excuse and there is no, you cannot claim ignorance any longer. And this is what Paul was out there and why Paul was chosen by Jesus on the road to Damascus. Where was Paul going? By the way, in case y'all don't know, I'm gonna share it with you. Paul was on his way to Damascus and he had a letter which he, which he fervently sought after to give him the authority that he was claiming for his own and taking with him because he was going to go down and hunt down those people who were in the way. Remember, don't, don't confuse that with just being in his way as he's plopping down the street on, on riding his ass down the road and going to Damascus. That's not what that means. They weren't called Christians in that day. It, they were said to be in the way, and they're talking about the way being Jesus's way, following him, sharing his teaching, praying. But they had to hide. Why? Because the religious leaders who claimed to be in charge and who made themselves in charge and who made themselves the authority over anyone, which was their common practice, I've pointed this out many times. The pharisaical tyrants sought to kill Jesus Christ because he spoke the truth and he spoke to them with authority and they didn't like it. They didn't like it because their authority was diminished and when he spoke out openly in public, oh, it really agitated them and they never wanted to do anything around him because they were afraid of the people. When Jesus was in front of Pilate, they went through the crowd and they were putting coin in their people's hands so they would cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. When Pontius Pilate three times declared to them, I find no guile in this man, no deception. He did not lie. He didn't misspeak. 
I don't find any reason to crucify him. Three times Pontius Pilate took him aside, spoke to him, and then came back and announced to the Pharisees that there was no reason to do so. And then after the third time, that's when Pilate washed his hands in the basin. And there's a lot of people that don't understand why he did that. And they say, oh, that's because he's, he's not, yeah, he didn't want to be guilty. He didn't want to have any part of it. Well, of course not. Because he had already told them that Jesus was innocent. I find no fault in this man. I find no guile in this man. This man speaks the truth. He recognized that. Probably didn't hurt the fact that Pilate's wife also believed the teachings of our Christ. So the pharisaical tyrants who declared themselves to be in charge of everything, not really, but they declared that. They went through the crowd sprinkling coin and having everyone holler out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. When Pilate asked what they should do. And Pilate said that he's not going to do it, but that his Roman guards will beat Jesus up. And they beat him nearly to death before they walked him up to the cross. Whew. I have to take a breath there because it, it and <clears throat> pardon me. So now we're going to go back over to Acts 14 and I'm going to share a lot of this stuff that's going on with the Jews um, and understand when I say it that way, I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not saying that as a Semitic conglomeration, okay? When I speak it that way, I'm talking about the religious leaders that claim themselves to be in charge. <clears throat> Pardon me. Because in that day, they were the ones, the Pharisees, that went out and they did all their, everything out in public so everybody could see them. And, and um, Jesus called them on it. He called them hypocrites. John the baptizer called them hypocrites. He even called them vipers. Oh, they didn't like that. They didn't get the point. They didn't get what he was talking about because they focused on how the vipers birthed their young. That bothered them. And that was... To them, John the baptizer was, may as well have made them unclean and that they were really angry with him because they declared that, he declared that they were unclean creatures. <clears throat> they totally missed the point. But remember that Saul, on his way to Damascus, was knocked off his ass into the middle of the road. And then Jesus stood over him and said, Saul, why are you doing this? Why are you coming after me the way you do? <clears throat> but remember, figuratively, because Saul was after the church body, the body of Christ, the body of the church, were one and the same. If we are Christ true Christians, then you are working and practicing to be more like Christ. Christian, of Christ, from Christ. That's what the word means, Christian. Just like Philadelphian, of Philadelphia, from Philadelphia. 
Texan. If you're of Texas or from Texas, you're a Texan. That's what that suffix on the word means. Same thing with Christian. Of Christ or from Christ. So Paul's on his way down there, and Jesus is now standing over him because he knocked, he's knocked him off the ass he was riding on into the middle of the road. Jesus is standing over him and putting it to him. Saul, why persecutest thou me? But the Lord had a purpose and he had a plan. So instead of taking Saul's life, which he could have easily have done with a snap of his finger or a breath, Saul would have not been Paul. He would have been nothing. So instead of what he did is he took Saul's eyesight and he was taken care of and he was repentant, he was baptized and the Holy Spirit was given to Saul named Paul and he was sent out into the world of the Gentiles preaching and teaching the word of God which is where this... Uh, as we find in Acts 17, and God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent because now Paul is teaching them. He's sharing with them. You can't be ignorant anymore because you're hearing the word. And for so long back then, this is why Paul and Peter, um, if you read in that they had a little confrontation because Peter was for such a long time only preaching to the Jews as a collective whole and not sharing the teaching and preaching to anyone else. So they had a little bit of a confrontation because <clears throat> Paul said, you gotta, you gotta share with everybody. And this is when Peter was given the vision. Remember, he saw what appeared to be a large sheet that was lowered from heaven, and it was tied on the corners, and it was filled with all manner of creatures and all sorts of different foods and fruits and everything, and... and uh, was given, said, take it, eat it. Some of these animals, you go ahead and you kill them and, and eat them. It'll be okay. And Peter tried to chastise the Lord. <laughs> yeah, you notice the questioning there. And he tried to chastise the Lord saying, I, I can't do that, these are unclean. And then the that's when the lesson came. Declare nothing that I have made unclean. Nothing. And that's when Peter had his revelation. And this changed everything, changed the dynamics of their teaching. And this is what Paul is doing. But then back in uh, Acts 14 and 19, while Paul is teaching and doing all this. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. dead. What does that mean? Drew him out of the city. That means they drug him through the dirt and threw him outside the gate of the city because they didn't want him in. They thought they'd stoned him to death. Howbeit, as the disciples stood around about him, he rose up, came back into the city, didn't say that, it says he came into the city, and the next day 
he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So they didn't kill him. They thought they had. But God was with him. Brethren and sisters, you have these folks, and if you go through the book of Acts, you see um, that through the book of Acts and through these, you will find that not only did and not only did they chase after Jesus, but they chased after the disciples. Well, here's, uh, here's some other ones. Here's in um, Acts 16. Paul's teaching. And Paul was, uh, this is when Paul is, uh, this was the young lady I was sharing with you a moment ago about how she has this, Spirit and she was falling around and and uh, the leaders or the elders that that kind of shared this young woman's abilities were making money off of this so-called spirit divination. So Paul cast this out. And they got upset because Paul did this. And now they had no way to make money from this young woman. So they took Paul and Silas into the magistrates and out of the marketplace. And they took them out. And then they complained because they said that they were Jews and that they came to cause trouble. And that they didn't know about their laws. And they didn't know about the rules. So they beat them up. And they beat them up pretty good. And then they put them in jail. And this is what it says about that in Acts 16.24. Who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Well, what did Paul do? Paul and Silas, and at midnight, they were praying, they sang, and they were singing praises to God, and all the prisoners heard them. There's a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and was going, would have killed himself, supposing that they had all been fled. Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do not do thyself no harm for we are all here. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. They protected the jail, the very man that threw them in bondage. Put him in chains. They protected him because he was going to kill himself thinking they'd all left, but they were all there. He was no longer a man of ignorance. He was given knowledge. Brothers and sisters, this is what we are called to do. This is what we're called to do. 
Now, the problem that comes around in, in these multicultural issues that are going on, and I've spoken with this before about Ishtar and Rainbow Coalition and all these other things. That's what they used to be called, by the way, a long, long, long time ago, before they started being called whatever they're calling themselves these days. They used to be called the Rainbow Coalition. Um, but all these things that go on in the spirits of these Folks are running around. Let me let me share this with you too, furthering this um, edification, this clarity, and this. Idols are not necessarily um, statues and things that are put up. Idols take many shapes and forms. Idols can be money. Idols can be your family. Idols can be your car. Idols can be your house. Idols can be your job. Anything that takes precedence over the Lord God Almighty and his sovereignty is an idol. Be cautious. Brothers and sisters, this is the great divide, as you will call it, the great divide that Satan wants to put between us and God. He wants to take us and cause great derision. And he has his, uh, you know, that there are, as I've shared with you before, is that, He's got minions and he's got demons and demons are real. The principalities that that flutter around and work for Satan are very real. These are things that are not to be trifled with. And this is why we have angels that are with us that, and this stuff goes on on a, the plane of existence here and around us. Sometimes we just can't see it. We're not aware of it. If you knew and you were able to see it all the time, you would be walking around fearfully driven. This is why God protects us from this because then we would be fearful and it would be easy to drive us into a direction that we don't need to be. So God is taking care of us in that way. You just need to make sure that you're paying attention. But these demons and these spirits that, that hover around us and drive the derisiveness and the separation they try to get us to allow them to put up what is called spiritual strongholds. And if we allow them, and I have done so, I'll tell you that right now, I think I've shared it with you already, is that um, it's, a, it's a spirit of uh, orphan spirit, but I wasn't actually an orphan. My, I know my earthly mother and father, very wonderful People, couple, loved them. My earthly father is my hero. I just never told him while he was walking this plane of existence, I'm going to try not to start crying again because I love them. Good parents. Where the orphan part comes in is because my half-brothers, and this is hard, but it's true, um, constantly picking at me because I wasn't their real brother. And there always seemed to be an issue of something going on. And so there was that separation. And I was constantly having to prove myself. I was constantly having to overcorrect and overbear, which caused me to grow into this. And for a good long portion of my life, this spiritual stronghold was in me, around me constantly. Of course, not realizing it and unfortunately a little late in the game, but that's okay because 
My walk with my God is a lot closer. It's closer than it's ever been in my entire life. And I love that. And I love the fact that this spirit tries to come and doesn't hang out so long because I am aware. And in being aware, I am wearing the full armor of God that we are reminded that we need to keep that on. We are told to wear that for a reason. Makes sense. But we are also given power and authority through the Holy Spirit and through the Lord God Almighty to pull down these strongholds. We're going to jump over to, um, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians. Bear with me. I'm going to flip the pages here. Several. I have them marked actually. So we're going to go a lot faster. Yay. So we're going to go over here and I'm going to read to you. Actually, I'm going to start in uh, 2 Corinthians 10. Two, and I'm going to read. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us all as if we walked according to the flesh. Well, I shared this with you because back in that time it was important because a lot of people just sort of shrugged off and oh, they're just like us. They didn't understand. They didn't get it. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So essentially what Paul is, is trying to remind us of is that we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And we are told by Jesus that same thing. We are here, but we're not to be of it. Gotta live here and walk in this plane of existence, but that doesn't mean that we have to do and be like everybody else. They're doing that. This is one of the issues that came up um, in class this e uh, the, yesterday evening now. Um, wasn't in agreement and actually was kind of an uncomfortable uh, topic in the way it was presented, but didn't become confrontational. But I, the point that I make, and I make it to you all the time, seek the truth. If it's not in the Bible and it's contrary to the teaching of God, then it is not good. You shouldn't do it. If you're not following the precepts and the tenets that God has established in his word, then don't, period. Culture puts up these things where we, you've got to have everything has got to be separated and clearly uh, men, women, this way, that way. But brothers and sisters, if it's not scripturally sound, then don't do it. Bottom line, if it's not something God approves of, don't do it. And what do I tell you often? I tell you all the time, try the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit tells you that it shouldn't be something you're doing, then don't do it. The important thing of it is that God is sovereign. He is our Lord God Almighty. Yes, he's our Heavenly Father. And yes, he loves us. And yes, he forgives you, but that doesn't mean that you just go out and do what everybody else is doing because everybody else is doing it. So we have to walk around this plane of existence, but that doesn't mean that we have to be of it. We don't have to do everything. But here's the important part in further reading 10.4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
the Holy Spirit guides us to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. So things that we get put in our own minds, and this is a thing that the devil loves to do, that white noise interference to get your focus away from God, to get your focus away from seeking his truth, seeking his knowledge, seeking his wisdom, staying away from that and away from the Bible and getting you to believe his deceptive way. And remember, God's not going to wink at you because you're getting the truth. So when you go before God and he says, why didn't you? Well, gee, I didn't know. And he goes, well, wait a second. One of my other children was, was talking to you constantly about this thing. How could you say that you didn't know? It was constantly being told to you. Didn't you not look around and see the majesty declared in everything around you? Not realizing and having been told that the very breath that you breathe in is because I allow it to happen. I have graced you and mercifully allowed it to continue. And now you're going to tell me that you didn't know? I'm not going to work this time. I winked once, but I'm not going to keep blinking. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Also in verse 8. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which Lord had given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed. What does that mean? That means that what he's doing is not to belittle them and put them down, but to give them uplifting, to exhort them, to give them clarification, education, to bring them upward. And that we should not be ashamed. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that I'm getting pretty well tired of having people apologize for the scripture that they teach or, gee, oh, I'm sorry, maybe I should have said it differently. No, if it's said that way in the Bible, just like in in the discussion we were having, if it's biblical and it's following the, the precepts and tenets that God has established, then, then you do and you follow and you obey. If it's not, and is separating, and you're trying to build something up that's not there, you're trying to establish an idol worship, then you better repent. And we are told in 2 Corinthians 10, 8, that very thing. Do not be ashamed. Do not apologize for the scripture. I get tired of hearing either church elders or <clears throat> speakers who are supposed to be pastors. They apologize for using terms like the army of God or the um, armor of God. They're actually apologetic for speaking the gospel and the truth. Well, first of all, as I've shared with you before, an army is not necessarily a militaristic designation. It just means a really big amount, a large amount. Wow, what an army of ants. Did you see the backyard? The, the yard is absolutely filled with thousands and thousands of ants. 
that doesn't mean that they're the jungle type that are going to come and eat you, your dog, your cat, and everything else in your house and just destroy your house. That's not what that means. It just means that it's a huge number. It's so The number is so large, you can't even really count it. <clears throat> just like when Ezekiel went to the Valley of the Dry Bones. And in the vision, he saw that the bones stood on their feet because God had breathed into them and gave them life. Well, that doesn't mean that this was a military army and they all started picking up uh, shields and swords and they were going to go to warfare. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the sheer number. And what, did it, what was it at the end of uh, thir um, chapter 37? Because they had given up their hope. They had given up everything that they had faith and hope in. They just gave it up because they were constantly beleaguered by those kingdoms that were around them. So they had given up their hope. They had allowed themselves to dry up. And then they just laid down and gave and, and just gave up and became dry bones. And this is when God sent Ezekiel and told him, he said, Ezekiel, my favorite son, my prophet, you have to speak to these people. You have to get into that valley and you have to prophesy to the dry bones. Tell them. I'm going to heal them. Tell them, I'm going to heal them. <clears throat> Just like I share with you now in this nation that we're in, <clears throat> that we have given up and turned our back on God. <clears throat> Pardon me. Sorry about that. That we've turned our back on God. We don't pay attention to what God tells us. We don't follow his precepts. And then you have individuals like that uh, person who's declared herself to be a, a medium and that because the word says that God winked, that God is deceiving us. And it speaks to the deception of God Almighty. Well, that's not what that means. It means that he overlooked temporarily the fact that you were ignorant. You didn't know about something, but now you are being made aware. And this is why Saul later named Paul, was sent. Because in that time and in that culture, they were all divided about everything. Everything. And the religious leaders at that time were not allowing teaching to be done to them. So now we're going to follow the rule of faith. Regula Fidea. Remember? Shared that with you before. The rule of faith. Hope your seatbelts are still fastened. We're going to take a quick ride. We're going over to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah. And we're going to look specifically at 25, 11, and 12. 11 and 12. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them. And he that's as he that swimmeth and spreadeth forth his hands to swim. And he shall bring down their pride together with the spoils of their hands. And the fortress of the high fort of thy walls shall be he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground even to the dust. Well, what's the prophet talking about? I'm going to tell you. 
He's not talking about physical fortresses. <clears throat> He's talking about that thing that we have established and brought up is called pride. And in that, we are allowing idols to be established. And that we are declaring ourselves to be so much better. It's what we have going on in the world today, actually. You look all around, you just see it happening. You see the big pharma companies that are doing that, becoming so prideful in the poisons that they create. It used to be a day and time when medicines were made strictly from those natural ingredients that God gave us. And his medicine cabinet is really, really powerfully good. Now, he does allow through his guidance that there are physicians that are very helpful. They're also Christian. Simply because they utilize sciences that are in this world doesn't make them a bad. It doesn't mean that they're not, they can't be Christian. But they're also very cautious in the fact that they don't try to become so prideful that they allow that to overwhelm their rational thought. And God allows, and he guides. God is Rafa, the great healer, the great physician. And I share that with you because there are many that <clears throat> declare that they're smarter and better. And medicines that we can make better, faster, and smarter, stronger than God's medicine. And then they convince people of taking all these poisons. I believe I shared with you this, uh, uh, and I'm going to share it with you again rather quickly. Um, an acquaintance of mine many years ago when we were driving big truck and his company was having a little bit of contractual problem. So he had to leave in order to keep an income coming in and take care of their things. So he got employment where his wife was working and she was working at a, a care facility. And he was the transportation manager and taking folks around and getting them to their appointments. And this one little lady that, that he absolutely fell in love with, she's about 90 years old. And when he first started, she had one little bag of maybe a couple medications. And then one day, you know, he, he was paying attention, always taking her to the doctor, and her bag was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And one day he took her to the doctor and she went in and disappeared. She didn't come back so he could take her back to the facility. And so he went in to look for her. And the lady at the reception desk said, oh, she's back with Dr. So-and-so and pointed her in the direction to go. And he went to check on her and she was being transfused. The doctors had lost track of all the medications that they had been giving to this 90-year-old woman. She was taking so many different medications for the side, they, she took one medication and a side effect, so they had to take another medication for that side effect and another medication for the side effect of that side effect and more and more and more. And they lost track of all the medications they had given her. So this poor 90-year-old woman was so misused and mistreated because of the arrogance of man that they had to put her through that. that. That's a torture for somebody 90 years old to have to go through that. They had to take all that poison out and replace it. I say that to say this, brothers and sisters, be cautious. And this is what it means that we have to pull down the strongholds. Do not let the spirits 
overwhelm and overtake and do not let pride establish so that you build up more than what is real. Don't allow false idols or false gods to take place of sovereign Lord God Almighty. God only winks once. You are no longer ignorant and he's not going to blink his eyes. You have an opportunity, brothers and sisters, that's why I do this, to give you the opportunity for repentance. Simply ask and declare that you want to repent, that you want Jesus in your lives, you want to change, you want to believe that Jesus Christ is your heavenly father and you will have faith in him and that the Holy Spirit that he provides for our guidance and our intellectual well-being. That's what he's here for, to guide us, to teach us for clarity. Jesus told us that when he was leaving, he told us, I have to go. But when I go, the comforter will come. But I have to go so that the comforter does come. And I will have my father send that. That's the Holy Spirit, Paracletos. Paracletos. He comes and he walks beside us. Brothers and sisters, you are in my prayers every day. My going out and coming in. And the last thing before I leave your company is in Ephesians 6.19. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. That's my purpose, my father's business. And don't forget that the word gospel simply means good news. Be blessed.